is Vayakel Pekudei. It's uh, it's the end of Sefer Shemais, and it is Parshas Hachaydesh. And we know that these parshas at the end of Sefer Shemais deal with the construction of the Mishkan. There's two psukim that are very similar, they're very close, they sound almost the same, uh, but one was in last week's parsha, one is in this week's parsha. One was spoken by HaKadosh Baruch Hu to Moshe, that was last week's parsha, and one was spoken from Moshe Rabbeinu to Kal Yisrael in this week's parsha. The Pasuk says, Vayemar Hashem al Moshe Lemar, Re'eh, this is last week's parsha, Karasi b'shem b'tzalo. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe Rabbeinu, see and observe and inspect the fact that I have called by name B'tzalel, B'tzalel ben Uri ben Chur l'matei Yehuda. I have filled him with wisdom. He is going to be the builder, the architect, the orchestrator of the construction of the Mishkan. In this week's parsha, Moshe Rabbeinu turns to Klal Yisrael and says, "Came out the same lashon ru'u, Kara Hashem b'shem b'tzalel ben Uri ben Chur l'matei Yehuda." He's giving Klal Yisrael a warning and a heads up, and being maidia them, informing them that there is a candidate for the position of the builder of the Mishkan by the name of B'tzalel. The Gemara in Brachas and Dachmanheim and Aleph says as follows: Amar of Yitzchak, Ein ma midin parnes alat zibur, Elohim kein nimlochim b'tzibur. We are not ever to appoint a a leader or an appointee of any official title over the tzibur unless first we have properly advised the tzibur and made sure to find out whether it's acceptable to the tzibur. And the Gemara marshals this pasuk, Shenema ru'u kara Hashem b'shem b'tzalo. Last week's parasha, Kedush Baruch says to Moshe Aveinu, Moshe, Hagan Alecha B'Tzalel, is B'Tzalel my appointee to build the Mishkan? Is he good for you? Is he appropriate? Are you masking? Are you willing to sign off on this candidacy of B'Tzalel? Amr Lai, Moshe Aveinu says, Rabbeinu Shalom, if before you, you see fit to choose B'Tzalel as the architect of the Mishkan, certainly for me it's okay. If it checks out by you, it checks out by me. And then Moshe Rabbeinu turns to Klai Yisrael. And says at, at Akedush Baruch Hu's request, "Hagan Aleichem B'Tzalel, is B'Tzalel worthy for you? Do you approve of B'Tzalel doing this job?" Amr Lai, if before Akedush Baruch Hu and you, Meish Rabbeinu, he is appropriate, Lefanenu Lo Kalshagain, 
So certainly before us he's a good choice. Rashi explains that the Lashon of Re'u or Re'eh, depending on which Pasuk, Re'eh is Mashma Hayesh Belipcha. Tain Einecha Badava. Re'eh doesn't mean just see. Re'eh is a Lashon of, is it okay by you? Make sure that you have dotted the I's and crossed the T's. Make sure that you've done your due diligence before we are Memanef Hanes on the Tzibor. Make sure that he's fine. Re'eh. Last week's parasha was HaKadosh Baruch Hu addressing Moshe Rabbeinu. Make sure that he's hagon. Make sure that he's a good candidate, that you're happy with him. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, listen, who am I to object? If you decided that this is the proper person to build a Mishkan, I'm on board as well. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, okay, turn to Klai Yisrael. Make sure it's fine by them. This week's parasha, Ru'u, Kara Hashem B'Shem. See fit, call Yisrael, make sure that everybody here is happy. You know, like by Gaiyash Achastas, there's, there's always the Hachraza, not that I've been to any, but if you watch it on TV, not that I've... <laughs> um, it says, they always say, if anyone has any objection to this marriage, what do they say? Speak now or forever hold your peace. There's any, and there's always somebody, you know, that has some sifts up, he's about to say something, or he does say something. But if anyone, this is basically what happened. There was a building of the Mishkan, the Rabbi Shalom says, speak now or forever, hold your face. We're about to appoint Fitzalel. If you're going to have a parnes on the Tzibor, I have to first be Nimloch, I first have to make sure that it's okay with the Tzibor. Meshrabe, is it good by you? Yes. Klai Yisrael, you happy? Fine. Okay, let's go. Batalo, you are in charge of the building of the Mishkan. I think that this Gemara is fascinating in and of itself, but I think it's even more fascinating if we can step back a minute and understand what is the binyan of the Mishkan What's the purpose of the building of the Mishkan? What does that represent? And we always have to go back to the famous Ramban at the beginning of Sefer Shemais. And the Ramban there explains the difference between Sefer Bereshis and Sefer Shemais. And now that we're completing this parsha, the whole Sefer Shemais, the Ramban is especially relevant to us. When we say chazak, chazak, ves chazak, we're making a siyam, we should at least know what we're making a siyam on. Speaking of siyumim, this Shabbos happens to be the siyam of the Sefer Shabbos in Dafyemi. And the Mitzvah Hashem, everybody is invited on Tuesday morning by Rosh Chaydesh, the Sudas Rosh Chaydesh, to, uh, to a beautiful siyam, uh, upstairs on the fourth floor. And also, I'd like to take this opportunity to invite everybody here to join the Chabura on Sunday morning to begin Mesechah's Erevin. Mesechah's Erevin is a Mesechah that, were it not for Dafyaimi, I don't think too many people would necessarily roll up their sleeves and learn. Because, you know, it's, it's difficult and it's long, but I'll tell you, I remember from last the last cycle around when in yeshiva we were zeichet to finish that. Erevin, as hard as it was, was I think the most kishmak and misachta in shas. There's just a certain yifi in being able to get through 
the difficult sugis of Erevin, there is Sarim that today we're blessed with that have 3D graphics of all of the various, the Mavois and all of the Vitzchumim and very cool graphics and it makes it like very, very, just very palatable and very, very gishmak. And so Sunday morning at 7 o'clock, surprise me. Join me at the table and try to roll up your sleeves and be macabre. Imagine if you could claim by the summer to have finished Mesechus Erevin. It's a tremendous uh, opportunity that who knows when the next time you'll be able to make that opportunity, take advantage of that opportunity will be. So it's an invitation to really come and join. We, we love having new, new mishtatfim to our chabura. We could actually use some new mishtatfim in our chabura and keep bimachazik the movement of dafyem in yeshiva. We made it through last time through shas. And we want to make it through Shasta with a, with a real ilum. Give it thought. You have about, I don't know, maybe uh, 50 hours to think about it. And try to, try to make an effort. Think about it and decide to do it. I think you'll be very happy. By the summer, you'll be finished with this, not before the summer, you'll be finished with Masechus Erevin and then comes Psachim, which is a good Chazara for this year. And Dafyemi is something that is unbelievable. We'll speak about it more in Mitzvah Hashem Tuesday morning, but Tuesday morning will be a few blocks behind already in Erevin, so I want to give you a heads up earlier than that. Okay, I'm sorry for, uh, for digressing, and now I have no idea what I was talking about. But, the, uh, so the Gemara says, this Gemara is fascinating, we're making a siyam on Sefer Shemais, and... The Siyam on Sefer Shemais has to be understood in the context of the Ramban. The Ramban says that Sefer Bereshis is called the Sefer Yitzira. That's the nickname that the Ramban, I think, gives to Sefer Bereshis. I don't know if other, maybe in the Kadmainim, before the Ramban, they already called it Sefer Yitzira. But the Ramban says that that's the name of Sefer Bereshis. And the reason for that is because, first of all, the Yitzira Sa'ilam took place. The world was created, but that's like the first parak of Sefer Bereshis. How do you call the entire Sefer of Sefer Bereshis, Sefer Yitzira? He says that's not a problem. Because the Aves, which really dominate Sefer Bereshis from after the Asylum, you know, from, from Parshas Lachalcha on, it's all Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and the Shvatim, those are, the Aves are the Yitzira Lebanon. Which means that the famous principle of the Ramban, Maisa Avesim Labanim, whatever the Avis did, we're not doing, they weren't doing it for themselves. They were doing it to pave a road for us. Whatever they did was supposed to be a symbol, a simon for us to follow. The Ramban says in certain parashiyas that, you know, the way that Yaakov dealt with Esav is the way that we're supposed to deal with Gayim and Gullus. And there are certain Gedalim who went before dealing with the Roman authorities, he's the Chazar over the Parsha of Yaakov when he had his encounter with Esau and had to deal with it. Maisa of Isim Labanan. Everything that happened with the Abraham and Yitzhak and Yaakov became the template for the ages that we should know Adayim how to follow. Their Midas were exemplary. And they were a Yitzira. They were creating our reality, our destiny was being created one 
move at a time, one step at a time, one day at a time. All of that was the Yitzira of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, Ladar Dairis. They were, just like Hadish Baruch created the world at the beginning of Sefer Bratius, the rest of Sefer Bratius was also a creation of sorts. It was creating a template and a path on which Kla Yisrael will walk till the end of time. That takes care of Sefer Bratius, says the Rambam. Sefer Shemais is called the Sefer Adolos Badulah. It starts with Kla Yisrael being a Mitzrayim, the all the Shivim Nefesh that came down to Mitzrayim, the Shibod, the Avaidas Parach, the Chaimer, the Levenim, the Avaidas Basadeh, and then we go through the Geula. The Geula starts in earnest, Ba'era, Ba'i, we have the Makis, the seven Makis, and the, the last three Makis in Ba'era, Ba'i, and then we have Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And we have the Shalach, the Shira. So it's the Sefer Agolos Vagulah. So you're going to ask, says the Ramban, wait a minute. I happen to know for a fact that Sefer Shemais does not end after the Shalach. We have a lot of other parishes. We have Shumatitzave, we have Kisisa, we have the How is that part of the Sefer Agolos Vagulah? Says the Ramban, I have an answer for that too. The reason why it's considered to be Sefer Agolos Agulullah, even though it's talking about something other than Mitzrayim, it's talking about building the Mishkan, is because until Klal Yisrael were able to attain the Maila of Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov, if you can imagine like a graph, a graph in Jewish history, you have the Maila of the Ovis, you have Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov, we were riding high, and then all of a sudden, there was Mechir Yasef, we started going down and down and down. We went to Mitzrayim, and we were sinking to the Memtash Harikoma. We had Yitzhak Mitzrayim, we started going up again. But we're still not holding on the graph at the all-time high stock price of the others. How do we attain true Geula? Geula doesn't merely mean that we're able to free ourselves from the shackles of Mitzrayim. For what Geula means is to return back to the all-time high of the Ovis, the Madrega of the Ovis. The Ovis had the Shechina on their tent. When Kla Yisrael were Zaychah to leave Mitzrayim, to go to Mount Torah, and then to build a Mishkan, and the Mishkan was the Ayal of Kla Yisrael, the Ayal of going back to the Maila of the Ovis, the others were the Merkava for the Shina. They were the chariot riding Akadish Baruch in the world. The Mishkan was also such a chariot. The Akadish Baruch Hakadish Baruch was Mashre Shina over this chariot, over this Mishkan. That was an Ayel like the others. Now we're Nigalim. Only when we retrieve that mile of the Abbas with the Mishkan is there a Gehula. Then we could say Chazak, Chazak, Minis Chazak. Only then. We're not considered redeemed until we have the Mishkan. That's the Ramban. So now let's go back to our Gemara and Brachas here on Daphnanehem and Aleph. The Gemara is saying that HaKadosh Baruch wanted to appoint B'Tzal. B'Tzal was the man to build a Mishkan. It's not like there were a hundred B'Tzalos and it was a matter of taking... B'Tzal was the one person that was destined to build a Mishkan. Fascinatingly enough, he was 
all of 13 years old, the Gemara in Sanhedrin says. You'd think of Betzalel as, you know, he had really, you know, as much as the Ramban tells us in these parshas that the people, you know, that were building the Mishkan were not at all artisans. They were not, they didn't go to college and get a, get a graduate degree in, you know, in architecture. They knew nothing from this stuff. They knew how to build bricks. They knew how to, like, scrape cement on a, on a pyramid, but they didn't know how to build fine gold kalim and ureis and all of these things. They had no idea. They were in the Levi. They elevated their hearts and they were able to do it, but it was really beyond their natural ability. They were supernaturally inclined and inspired to build a Mishkan. Bitsala was the king of inspiration. Bitsala was... This young 13-year-old boy was able to attain heights that Akash Baruch Hu said, he is it. He is the man for the job. If Bitsalel had not been acceptable to the Tzibor, let's say Meshav Vinna said, nah, I don't like Bitsalel, he's too young for the job, no experience. Who knows whether or not the Mishnah would have ever been built. Bitsalel was the man that Akrishbarh who said needed to do the Mishkan. And yet what we see from here, Rabbi Say, is that Akrishbarh was concerned about stepping on Maisha Rabbeinu's toes in terms of covet. Maisha Rabbeinu was the paranoid over the Tibur. Maisha Rabbeinu was the man who was leading Kalyasel out of Mitzrayim. Maisha Rabbeinu was the Av Lanadim. Moshe Rabbeinu was the Mashiach Shal Yisrael. He was the one that was supposed to be the Mashiach of his time, taking Kal Yisrael out of Mitzrayim, being the man who will for all times be known as being the great liberator of Kal Yisrael. And now all of a sudden, as the process of Geula is almost complete, with the Mishkan, as the Ramban says, all of a sudden, Akrish Baruch Hu is saying, uh, Meshach Rabbeinu, you're not going to be completing the Gerula. I have somebody else in mind, Betzalo. He's going to oversee the project. And you can imagine, I guess, if we were Meshach Rabbeinu, and we're not, but if I was Meshach Rabbeinu, I would probably get a little bit insulted. I mean, Betzalo is the CEO of the Mishkan I mean, he could be the CFO, he could be the COO, he could be the, the manager, he could be, I'll give him a fancy executive vice president title, but he's the CEO, he's the pioneer now on the seaboard, he's the one that's going to oversee and be in charge of the entire culmination of the Gula of Klai Yisrael in order to, in order to, to complete the whole Gula of Mitzrayim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu the first confer with Maishu Rabbeinu. Make sure that it's okay with him. Is it okay with you, Maishu Rabbeinu, that I'm not appointing you as the head of the Mishkan? I'm appointing B'Tzawel. Uh, Maishu Rabbeinu says, I appreciate you asking me that, but if it's okay by the Rabbi Yishalem, then it's okay by me. If you deem him worthy of building the Mishkan, then I'm going along with it as well. But what you see from here is how important it is to be sensitive to the covet of somebody else. Had Meshach Benar Taka said, you know what, you're asking me, you want my honest opinion, I don't want him. I don't want B'Tzalel to be 
having this role. It's not nice that he should be the Parnas. I'm the Parnas. If Luyat Sayyid Moshe Rabbeinu would have said that, who knows what the next step would have been. Maybe the Mishkan would never be built because maybe Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't qualified to build the Mishkan. Maybe only B'Tzal could have built it. That means that the Gula of Mitzrayim would have never actually been completed. Had Moshe Rabbeinu felt the slightest discomfort and he would have said, no, we would not have had a Gula. I think that that's the extent that we could take this Gemara. How important it is to be chas on somebody else's covet. Moshe Rabbeinu might be offended. If he speaks now and he doesn't hold his peace, there will not be a Mishkan. Forget the Mishkan project. Moshe Rabbeinu is insulted. If Moshe Rabbeinu is not insulted, let's go to the Shivan Zakanim. Let's go to Resif So Maybe a lot of other people were harboring ambitions of heading up this project. And they don't want Bitalo. We have to make sure to stroke their ego. Make sure that they're okay with it. And they said, if it's okay with you, it's okay with Meshav, and it's fine with us. Only then was there able to be a completion of the Gula. But were it not for that, if somebody would have said, no, I'm insulted, I don't want this to happen, then the Gula would have stayed in place. It would not have been completed. And that's okay. Because even as lofty a goal of Gula is, as amazing as it would be potentially to reach the Madrig of the Aves, but not at the risk of hurting somebody's feelings. Not at the risk of trampling over another person's cupboard. That we're not doing. That's not what a Yid does. A Yid has to be chas on somebody's cupboard regardless of the outcome. The outcome might be Gula. I don't care. If somebody's going to be insulted, it ain't happening. I have a few riots to my side from various sources. There's a Misa that's brought in Hasidic folklore about the Rebbe Rabunim Mitzchicha. The Rebbe Rabunim was one of the great Kedailim, but he was very understated. He was very Bitsinna, he didn't want anyone knowing about him, and he wasn't he wasn't on the you know on the dais, he was one of these Hasidim that were more behind the scenes. And once Rabuna Mitchischa said as follows I, Rabunam, have the ability to bring Mashiach. I could bring Mashiach if I would want. So you're going to ask me, no, so why don't you? Do it. If you can bring Mashiach, you can bring the Gula, why don't you? Who's stopping you? He says, I'll tell you what's stopping me. What's stopping me is that I'm playing out the scene in my mind when I bring Mashiach. He says, the Gadol Adar is the Yidah Kaddish. The Yidah Kaddish was the Gadol Adar. He was the Melech of the Dar. And the Yidah Kaddish is going to be the first to greet Mashiach when Mashiach arrives. And there's going to be a big Kabbalah upon him. There's going to be a big party to greet Mashiach and there's going to be a big dais. And there's going to be Mashiach sitting and the, and the Yidah Kaddish is going to be sitting right next to him. 
and I'm going to be somewhere in the back of the room, you know, with all the Hasidim standing there and like, you know, being Nana Mizivashrina. And at that point, Mashiach is going to turn to the Yidak and he's going to say, it's been like, I don't know, 1700 years, 1800 years, it's been a long time. Tell me, how did you finally get me to come? How did you finally bring me here? It's been such a long gullus. And you, you're the God of Adar, you probably brought me. Tell me what your trick was. What did you do? I got the green light from the Rebbe to come. You must have brought me. He says, and what would the Yidak Kaddish say, says Rebunim? He says, no, no, no. I didn't bring you. He says, you see that Yid in the back of the room, Rebunim? Rebunim was the one that brought you. It wasn't me. At that moment in time, the Yidak Kaddish will have a little bit of discomfort. Because he's the Gadol, he's sitting up there on the dais, and he has to point to the back of the room, that some Yidol in the back of the room, he's the one that brought Mashiach and not him. That's going to be a little embarrassing for the Yidak Kaddish when he's staring at the Melech Mashiach. He says, that's why I don't bring Mashiach. As important as it is for Melech Mashiach to come, for the Geula, Hasidah to be here, not at the expense of the sensitivity towards the Yid HaKadosh. One Yid is going to feel a little bit uncomfortable if that happens. I can't bring Mashiach. When Abshner Cutler heard this mice that I just told you, he said, I have a raya to this from Chumash. Not my raya, but a different raya. A very simple, beautiful raya. What? Oh. Meshabeinu, the Rabbi by the snap, calls to Meshabeinu, he says, you are the man. You are going to be the Gael Yisrael. You're going to be the Redeemer of Kral Yisrael. You're going to go to power. You're going to say, let my people go. And you're going to take the people out of Mitzrayim. It's going to be amazing. I'm the Rebbein Shalem, I'm appointing you, Mazel Tov. He says, uh-uh. says, Shlach Nabiyat Tishlach. says, Aaron, I have an older brother, Aaron, he's the one that does a lot of the public performances, the public officiations on behalf of Kral Yisrael. says, send him. He's the one that's the Shliach. He's the one that should be the Gael Yisrael, not me. Imagine what Aaron Akain is going to feel like, what Aaron, my brother, is going to feel like. He didn't say Aaron Akain, he wasn't Akain yet. But imagine what my older brother Aaron is going to feel like if his kid brother becomes the Mashiach Shal Yisrael. He should naturally be it. He's the older brother. He's so chashev. He's so holy. He's amazing. He's the one that you normally send all your missions on. And I should be the Gael Shal Yisrael. Uh-uh. It's not happening. I don't care about how good the title of Mashiach Shal Yisrael is going to look on my resume. I cannot accept the position. Shlach Nabiyatishlach, Meshavenu says, I am turning down your offer. Thanks, but no thanks. Fetter Shnei Kotler, what in the world is going on over here? The Rabbi Yishlam is Mitzavah Meshavenu to be the Gael Shal Yisrael, to redeem Kral Yisrael, to bring the Geula, to take them out of Mitzrayim. What does Meshavena say? Meshavena shouldn't say. He should say, okay, 
your wish is my command, period. When do I start? What are you refusing for? You're refusing something that the Rebbeinu expects of you? You're refusing to bring the Geula to the, to the Amman Nibchar, to take Klai Yisrael to our Sinai from the Kabbalah to tell you, you're saying no? Zafshev Shnei, we see this Yisrael Rebbeinu Mibshitzchah. If a Yid has to suffer a little bit of hurt, if Aaron is going to feel bad in the slightest because his covet was nifgam, forget the Gula, forget Mashiach, forget the Esmerakis, forget Mantaira, it's all worthless because in the process you have stepped on somebody else's covet, that's unacceptable. The price is not worth it. There's no greater price. We're forfeiting the gula. Sorry, we're, we're forfeiting the gula. I won't do that. We're, we're forfeiting the gula, and we're forfeiting Mashiach, and we're forfeiting Mantar. Is there a greater? It, does, does the end ever justify the means more than this? Is there ever a time to say, "Listen, Aaron, I like you. You're my older brother. I'm not your type to you, but you know, duty calls. I got to go. I got to do my mission. This is my assignment." I gotta bring Kali Yisrael to Mount Taira, I gotta give them the Taira, take them through the Midbar, take them to Israel. I'm sorry, I'm sorry your, your, your feelings are, your ego is a little bruised. I can't help it, this is, this is what the Rabbi Shalom wants. But Meshach Rabbeinu didn't say that. Meshach Rabbeinu risked his very life, his very tapas, his very mission, his destiny, all in order that Aaron should not suffer a bit of humiliation. We know that Aaron didn't. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said right away, HaLayaren HaChecha HaLevi, Firacha, V'Samach Felipcha, He's coming to greet you, and He's happy for you. Meshach Rabbeinu probably knew about Aaron, that he has such fine midas, that he's going to be happy. But Meshach Rabbeinu was cheshed, maybe, maybe, in a microscopic way, V'Chadre HaLev, Aaron is going to have a little bit of a problem with this. And for that little thing, Meshach Rabbeinu says, Sorry, I'm turning down this offer. It's amazing. If you stop and think about what's going on, for a temporary, momentary sting of Aaron Akayin, Moshe Rabbeinu was willing to say, I'm not doing it. Until HaKadosh Baruch had to, you know, convince him that Aaron will be happy for you. And don't worry about it. And it's pure, the Ava and the Simcha of Aaron. And Aaron was like, to the Urim Metumim, to the Chesh and Amishpat on his heart, that heart of gold that didn't have any taina. He was zeichet to be the kayin. Meishabin was supposed to be the kayin. He was supposed to be the lady. He was supposed to be lady. Now he's the kayin because he's going to be so happy for you. But Zakhtar Shner, you see this, you say that if there's going to be any hurt feelings, any hard feelings, it doesn't matter what is going to come out from it, you can't do it. You are not allowed to cross that threshold if you're going to step in the process on somebody else's feelings. It's such an amazing insight if you stop and think about this for a second. I saw... Another Maramakim for this. There's a Maisa with Rav Shalom Shvadron. 
Rishon Shvadran, of course, was the famous Magad of Yerushalayim. And I heard him speak once. I've read a lot of his Torah, but I only heard him speak once. Remember, I was in the Shtibol in Shari Chesed, Rishon Zalman, the, the Groshul, the famous Shul Rishon Zalman was in, and and uh, anyways, there for a Shabbos or Yantif, I don't remember. And Reb Shalom used to speak there between Mincha and Ma'ariv in the afternoons on either Shabbos or Yantif. And he was so passionate and so dynamic and so funny and so serious, all all in one package. He was like really a one in a million magid. And one time there was a mashkiach in yeshiva who, in a certain yeshiva, he had to take a leave of absence. Maybe he had a health issue, maybe he needed some surgery, maybe he needed to rest and re- recuperate from something. I don't know what happened. But he was taking a, a break, a hiatus from his, from his position as mashkiach for, I don't know, for let's say two weeks. And they needed a substitute mashkiach. So the Rosh Hashiva or the Manal calls up Rav Shalom Shvadron and asks him, you know, would you mind being a substitute in our yeshiva for the mashkiach for the next couple of weeks until he gets better? So, I don't know, if I was the mashkiach, the original mashkiach, I would not be too happy having Rav Shalom Shvadron take over. I don't know if that mashkiach was either. But Rav Shalom Shvadron said, yes, I will do it. And he came and he he moved into the yeshiva and straight out of the box, right out of the gate, he was on fire. And he gave unbelievable shmuzin and unbelievable vadin. And he was shmuzin with the guys. And guys were like magnetically drawn to his persona. He was like, uh, who knows? He was like amazing. He was like the, the most awesome mashkiach, almost the most awesome mashkiach in history. And then the and the Bachim really like loved him. And those two weeks they were like lapping up all the Musar and they were coming to Davin and they were coming to Seder, they were coming to Shir Klali, they were coming to Night Seder even. They were doing everything. They were doing everything. They, like he was Mamish turning the place around, he's making a whole Mapecha in the Yeshiva single handedly. And when the old Mashkiach came back, so a lot of the guys were, you know, the way guys are. They're very, you know, they're quick to throw people away sometimes. And, you know, uh, you know, they were saying to Abshalom, you know, we'd really like you to stay on. You're doing such a phenomenal job. It, uh, you know, our lives are, have, have turned around in the last few weeks. So Abshalom went to Abchatzko. Rebchatzko was the, the, the Gadol HaMusser in his, in his dar. Rebchatzko Levenstein, the great mashkiach of Mir and Panovich later. And he went to Rebchatzko and he told him the story. He says, I was a substitute mashkiach for a couple of weeks. The boys are in love with me. I can do no wrong. I'm changing their lives. The old mashkiach was fine, but it's ain't a dime, man. The guys really want me. Maybe I could like give a vod every week, maybe I could give like a mishmar, maybe I could do a, you know, a tish once in a while on a Friday, something. I need to, I feel like I could really continue making hashpa, but the old mashkiach is coming back, he wants his job back. What do I do? Is there any Asa here? So Reb Chatzko said to Reb Shalom, he says, 
I don't care if you tell me that you're staying in some capacity in yeshiva if you'll tell me that it will bring Mashiach himself you have no right to stay on you have to go as far away from the yeshiva as possible if it will bring Mashiach himself if your being there is so great and so beneficial for the Bacharim that the Bacharim are, are going to that it's Mamish going to bring the Melech Mashiach himself but in the process, what's it going to do to the covet, to the self-esteem of the old mashkiach? It's going to feel pretty bad. It's going to feel like he's a wash-up, he's a has-been. He's going to feel like, you know, his time has passed. He's going to see, by contrast, how you're so popular and he's so not. If you're coming back to the yeshiva will guarantee Mashiach himself coming, you are not allowed to stay on in any capacity in the yeshiva. This is another Maramuffin for our Yisrael. Bitsala was supposed to complete the Gaula. Bitsala was supposed to be the Mashiach Yisrael in the Ramban sense because the Geula was going to be completed with a Binyan Mishkan and maybe nobody will ever be able to build that Mishkan other than B'Tzalel but yet the Rabbani Shalom says Re'u or Re'ei Karasi B'Shem B'Tzalel Ben Uri Ben Chur Lamati Yudah Meshavena what do you think about this? are you okay with it or not? Does it sit well with you that now there's going to be a new CEO in Kal Yisrael over the construction of the Mishkan? He's going to be Memale, the Gerula. Are you okay with it? Yes or no? If no, we're going to scrap the whole Mishkan project. We're going to arrest the Gerula of Kal Yisrael right here and right now. There will not be a Mashiach. There will not be a Gerula Shlema. We will not do anything if you or Kal Yisrael are not pleased with it in the slightest. That's the aside that we're learning today. That's the aside. No matter what your ends are, so many times this happens in Yeshiva. So many times, time and again. A person has a great idea, he has a great plan, he's going to do something or he's going to do another thing without getting into any specifics. But he has a plan. The only problem is that in order to get this plan activated, he's going to have to step on a lot of toes. He's going to have to hurt his Rebbe's feelings. He's going to have to hurt his Chabrutz's feelings. He's going to have to hurt his parents' feelings. Whatever it is. But I'm callous to that because I have my big plan. I am my plan, and my plan is first, and that's foremost, and I know God wants this from me, and, and so let everybody else be completely, you know, let them fall to the wayside, because I got to march steadily on my plan, and I'm not going to reckon, I'm not going to reckon with any of the human, the Be'er considerations, because, you know, this is, this is Ruchnius over here. And what we're learning today is, I don't care how great your plan is. It ain't a bigger plan than the Binyin HaMishkan. It's not a bigger plan than the Binyin Beis HaMikdash HaShlishi. It's not a bigger plan than bringing Mashiach to Kenu. But the common thread that we've seen today is that even to bring Mashiach, even to bring the Geula HaMiti, 
If you're going to hurt a single yid in the process, don't do it. Don't do it. There's a lot of ramifications of this idea. Because we have to rethink the way we act with everything. There's so many things that we do, and I could give you a whole laundry list, but I'm afraid that I might be going out of bounds in some capacity. But I see it every single day. Every single day, there's not a day that goes by, Kemah, that I don't see it in one way or another, a certain insensitivity towards others. And that's not to say that one's intentions are not pure. They are pure. You have good intentions. You want to steig more. You want to do something grand. You want to be able to do something that you feel is going to be good for your future. But in the process, what you're doing is you're insulting somebody. You're hurting somebody. It might be a Rebbe. It might be a friend. It might be a Chavrusa. It might be a... Anyone. You're going to hurt somebody. That's the litmus test, if it's worth it or not. Think well. Re'eh, as Rashi says. What's Rosh and Rashi? Re'eh, mashma yesh belibcha. Don't just do things rashly. Think things through. See them to the end. Make sure that you're really, really not hurting somebody. Make sure that you're okay with it. And that everybody will be on board with it. And that everybody's going to be fine with it. Then you can do it. But until then, if you're going to hurt somebody, if you're going to cause somebody to feel bad in any which way, it's just not worth it. You have to say no. You have to step back and you have to say, I'm going to shelve my plan because I don't want to hurt somebody else. It's gewaldic. It's such an unbelievable to have. It changes our life because we're so used to being so myopic. We see what's in front of our own eyes. We're all, Baruch Hashem, ambitious. We have plans, we want to grow, we want to, you know, get to the next rung, we want to climb, we want to steig. And you have to be very careful because you might be hurting somebody in the process and then it's not worth it, then there's no bracha. They once asked if Yisrael Salanter, what's your kavana, what's your deep mystical, you know, machshavas about as you're being misakif atzitzis? As you're putting the tzitzis around your head and you're being misakti, that tzitzis, misdama, you're, I don't know, you're, you're, you know, you're probably doing something with the Ailamas and the Abakan Vizaris and you're, you're doing Kibbutz Goliath. I don't know what, some, some really highfalutin machshava that's going through the Rebbe's mind, right? He says, no. He says, you know what I'm doing as I'm swinging the tzitzis over, over my head? I'm trying to make sure that I don't hit somebody else in the eye with my tzitzis. That's my kavanah. That's my own machshava. Many times we're like in our in our zealous, you know, tzitzis of wrapping ourselves in the tzitzis. How many times did you, did you get it in the eye? The guys at Shabbos, right? There's a special place for those tzaddik in, in, in Ayon Habra. Special place for them. They couldn't care less about who they're hurting, what they're doing, but they, they themselves, they feel good, they got their mitzvah. That's not the way a real yid understands life. The first criteria before we do any mitzvah, before we do any plan, before we decide any endeavor, 
is, are we going to hurt anybody's feelings? That's the first thing. That's the Aleph Sheba Aleph. If we can get past that, then we can discuss with our Abayim Vaiter whether or not it's a good idea, a bad idea. But if it's going to hurt somebody, a roommate, a chavrusa, a friend, a rabbi, a mashkiach, anybody, then we say, you know what, it's a great idea, I'm going to shelve it. Not going to do it. I don't want to hurt somebody else. That's my number one priority. I don't want to hurt. Everything in my life has to be filtered through that question. Is what I'm doing going to offend or hurt or insult another youth? Or another human being? That's the number one criteria. That's the filter. That's the prism of our life. We're entering the month of, of Nisan on Tuesday. Monday night is Rosh Chaydish already. And Rav Schwab brings in, in one of his svarim called Selected Speeches. Um, he describes how he, he visited the Chavetz Chaim. He says, the Chavetz Chaim was a tzaddik who always stressed the immediacy of the possibility of Mashiach. It was my good fortune to arrive on Rosh Chaydesh Nisan when the Chavetz Chaim had occasion to speak. The image is still vivid in my mind. He mentioned the statement of our Chachamim that Benisan Nigalo or Benisan Asidin Ligail. B'nai Yisrael were redeemed in Nisan and the future redemption will also be in Nisan. And he said... Today is Rosh Chaydesh Nisan. And he may come this Nisan, and he may not come this Nisan. He used the Hebrew phrase, Suffolk HaShakel, which means the chances were 50-50. Now for the first time, this is Rosh Shvab speaking, I was struck with the realization that the mitzvah of Amunah requires that I believe that there is a distinct possibility for the arrival of Mashiach to become an immediate reality. Yet, he went on, we live in an age where we lack Emuna. Despite this 50% chance of his coming, we in our own minds see it only as a very remote possibility. In our limited perception, we consider the odds of it happening no better than those of winning a lottery jackpot. Do we really consider, do we really consider as we're entering Rosh Nisan, we're entering the hallowed rarefied airspace of Nisan. Nisan is the month Mashiach could come any day of the year except for Shabbos. But Nisan is really, you should be on code red that Mashiach is coming and that it's a 50-50 chance. That's how the Chavetz Chaim looked at it. It's a Suffolk HaShachol. It's a 50-50 chance of pretty good ads. Right? If I told you you have a 50-50 chance of winning the lotto this week, I think everybody would be rushing out as soon as the schmooze is over, of course, to buy a lotto ticket. Because, or two, 50-50 chance. The reason why we're not running out to buy a lotto ticket is because it's 1 in 12 million. If we would believe that Mashiach is mamish a 50-50 chance in Nisan then our Nisan would be different, and Parshat will be different. Today would be different. 
Because we have to prepare for Mashiach. How do we prepare for Mashiach? The Chavitz Chaim used to famously walk around with a kittel. Reb Nassim Bachvogel also always had like a little attache case and it was reported that in it was a special Malbush, a special Bekeshe for Mashiach comes. They lived every day with Mashiach coming. That's a very high madrega to expect any of us to achieve. But one thing that we certainly can begin in earnest to prepare for Mashiach is this nekuda of being a little bit more sensitive about our friends, about the Beinad Mochaberai, that sometimes we're not so sensitive about. And it makes sense that this is the ma'akiv, that if there's an obstacle for Mashiach's arrival, it's this, that we're not concerned with Beinad Mochaberai because the Geula itself, the Gaulus itself rather, happened because of a breach in Bein Adam Lechaveri. Every Gaulus that we have really comes from that, if you think about it. The Gaulus Mitzrayim. Chazal tell us was because of the Mechiras Yasef. The brothers didn't get along. And because of that, we suffered. The Chorim Bayesheni came about because of Sinas Chinam. Bishvil Kamsa Bar Kamsa Charvi Yerushalayim. The insensitivity of Kamsa and the deaf ears of the Rabbanon that were sitting at the table that were in Chas on the covet of Bar Kamsa. All of these things are reasons for Mashiach not coming. Because if they were caused, if the Golas is here because of the Sinaschinam that we might have, the only way that it's going to come, the only way that we could ever be Zayf and Megula is to rid ourselves of this plague of Sinasinam, of this plague of a lack of Zahira, Sinadmo Chaveray. And so if we really want Mashiach to come, and we daven for him every day, and if we really, really want him to come, we have to do away with the Sinasinam. Rav has a great vart in a sefer, in the back of the sefer, Mayim Beis HaShoeva, on the Haftaira of Machar Chaydish. Whenever Rosh Chaydish is on a Sunday, we lay in a special Haftaira called Vayayimer LaYahinasan Machar Chaydish. And Rav gives two theories about why it's significant, besides, of course, the fact that it starts out with Machar Chaydish, that tomorrow's Rosh Chaydish, but there must be more to it than just that. And he says that the content of that Haftarah is describing the way Yainasan and David were like the best of friends, even though they should have naturally been enemies, because Yainasan was a, you know, was, was in line to get the Malchus of Shaul. David Amalekh was the usurper of the Malchus of Shaul. So they really should, but they had a love for one another, and Shaul despised David. And he invited everybody to a party of Rosh Chaydesh, Suyas Rosh Chaydesh, and Yainasan said to David, don't come, and you know, I'll give you a, a simon whether you should come or you shouldn't come, or, or whether or not, you know, things are going to be okay for you or not. Anyway, at the end of the day, David HaMelech did not come. He didn't come. And Shaul HaMelech was sitting by the table, he noticed that David's seat was empty. 
and he asks Yainasan. He asks Madua Loiba David Ayim. Why is it that David is not here? Why is it that Ben Yishai is not here? And Rishwab says that this is the message of Rosh Chaydesh. Rosh Chaydesh is, we're wondering, Rosh Chaydesh is Man Kapara, why is the Mashiach here? Madua, Leiba, Ben Yishai, Hayyim, why is David not here today? Why is Melech HaMashiach not here? That's a question that should be plaguing us every Rosh Chaydesh. But Befrat on Rosh Chaydesh Nisan, this Tuesday, we should be all like wondering, Madua, Leiba, Ben David, why is David not here? Why is it that so many Nisans have come and gone without Mashiach deciding to arrive? And Ashraf says, because of the sinner that Shaul had. That's why David Amalek didn't come to the Suda. David Amalek is not here because of the sinas chinam that exists in Klai Yisrael. And until we're able to undo the sinner with Avas chinam, with a love, what does that mean, Avasinim? It's a, it's a phrase that's always thrown around. You know, some people attribute it to Bechavitz Chaim, others attribute it to Rav Kook. But everybody always throws around this phrase, Avasinim. What does that mean, Avasinim? It means like, you know, arbitrary love, like you go and hug strangers on the street. Is that what it means? What does it mean, Avasinim? I think Avasinim, what it means is what we're talking about today. Just simply to love somebody in a way that even though you do not want to be sensitive to him right now because you have every reason in the world to do what you want to do and you feel like you have license to do that because you have a great scheme and a great plan you have to have avaschinam you have to say that I'm willing to make my plans chinam. I'm throwing away, I'm re- releasing all of my plans. I'm putting them all on hold. I'm making them into a big zero because of my love. Because I love you too much to want to hurt you. And therefore, everything that I wanted to do, I'm making chinam. I'm making it free, I'm releasing it. I'm saying it's nothing. For me, it's no longer yakar, it's chinam. Avas chinam. I love you regardless of what it does to me. I love you. Sinas chinam is the opposite. Sinas chinam is, I can't stand you. Why? Because you bother me. There's something about you that bothers me. I don't know what it is. I just, there's something about you that I don't like. Avas chinam is, even though there's something that's Stopping me, if I love you, I'm still going to love you. I'm going to put you over me. That's what it takes to bring Mashiach. This plague, this tumor that we all have, to see everything through the prism of a selfish human being, not caring about what the aftermath, what the human carnage will be as a result of my little plan. But I want to do it. That's enough of a reason. That has to stop. If we're ever planning on doing anything, or even if we have done something already and we see that people are being hurt in the process, it's a time to say no. 
It's a time to have Avas Chinam. And that's when the seed of David HaMelech, the Chisei David, Meher L'Seichai Tochen, will be able to once again be filled with the Melech HaMashiach because he will see how we have undone all the cause of the Golos in the first place. We have undone the scourge of the Sinas Chinam, of the insensitivity that we have to others because of our own personal agendas. And when that happens, then we'll be Zaycha Mitzvah Hashem to all together be Makabal of Pnei Mashiach Tzikein